It's October in 1974, and Stephen King has writer's block. He couldn't come up with an idea for the next big book. And his wife suggested, what about a change of scenery? They out of just randomly picked Colorado, picked Boulder, got a little apartment, and they're out driving one day in Estes, which is right by Boulder, and they see this incredible building, and he's going, what in the world is that? The building is a giant hotel called the Stanley Hotel. 140 rooms nestled in the Rocky Mountains. You can tell it was once a grand place. But when they pull up, it is shabby. It is run down. They go into the lobby to the reception desk. It's a fall day, and there's a chill settling into the air. The hotel is cold. There is no heat. It is the last day of the season. And so they're going, well, sir, most of the staff's gone home. We can give you a room for tonight, but the dining room, the chairs are already up on the tables. We have very limited food we can offer you. But sure, if you want to stay here tonight. They have dinner in the empty dining room, and music echoes down the hall. The band playing for no one. King's wife, Tabitha, is exhausted and goes to bed. But Stephen stays up, and he starts exploring. He wanders these long hallways lined with hotel rooms. There's an old creaky elevator from the early 1900s. Fire hoses on the walls in case of emergency. He came back to the room, fell asleep, and pictured his son running down the hallway with the hose chasing him. He jerks awake from his nightmare, pouring sweat, and he goes outside. Had a cigarette, started thinking about it. He thought, what if, because the the hotel was going to close for the season, what if somebody was trapped here in the winter? Three years later, The Shining was published. The story of an alcoholic writer trapped in a haunted hotel. And King's story became part of the lore of the Stanley itself. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. This episode was produced in partnership with Visit Colorado. Today, we're going to go to the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Before it was known as the inspiration for Stephen King, the Stanley had a reputation of its own, ghosts of its own. While many haunted houses center on stories of violence and trauma, certainly The Shining does, the Stanley's ghosts might surprise you. We meet these gentle ghosts after this. Before the Stanley Hotel ever existed, there was a man named Freeland Oscar Stanley. He was an inventor, and he was dying. 
what brought F.O. Stanley to Colorado was he had tuberculosis. And back then, that was the thing was to come west to clear your lungs. This is Rebecca Pittman. She's the author of The History and Haunting of the Stanley Hotel. She's lived in Colorado for over 40 years. In the cities, there was so much coal from the trains, from, um, you know, the industry going on. And people that were living in cities like that would go out west to just get some clean air. They gave him six months to live. At the time, it was believed that the cool, dry air of the mountains could help people with tuberculosis. So F.O., which is what everyone called him, arrived in Denver in 1903, and he weighed just 118 pounds. His chest rattled with this unshakable wet cough. And he and his wife, Flora, drove out to a nearby area called Estes Park in the Rockies. F.O. and Flora just fell in love with the clear blue sky, the crisp air, and the scent of ponderosa pines. And then something strange happened. As Flora watched over him, keeping meticulous notes in her diary about his health and his progress, F.O. Stanley didn't die. He gained 30 pounds back. It seemed like the Colorado mountain air had done its magic. It had made him stronger and healthier. He came back to life. A few years later, F.O. was completely recovered. He was a wealthy man. He and his brother had invented a steam-powered car called a Stanley Steamer. He took some of that money and he built a house for Flora. Later, he bought some land from an eccentric Irish lord named Dunraven. Dunraven had bought up a ton of property in the area, hoping to create this private hunting paradise, which was quite unpopular with the town. F.O. bought some of that land and decided to build a hotel. It takes your breath away because it looks like it's floating in the clouds. It's actually elevated up along the mountainside. It's white, pristine. You come around the corner whichever way you're coming from, and it's just like, wow. The hotel opened on the 4th of July in 1909 and soon attracted a crowd of wealthy tourists and visiting dignitaries. They'd walk in through the front door, greeted by a long reception desk made of dark wood. It had cubbies behind for the keys. Fireplace crackled on the cool nights. The grand staircase would sweep up and then wing out onto either side. Upstairs is where the guest rooms were, off down these long hallways. The hotel was just beautiful. It was state-of-the-art. Stanley built a, a dam to provide electricity, which also lit the entire town. There were telephones, there were modern bathrooms. That's also where you'll find the Otis Elevator, which is 1909. It still operates. It is such a treat to ride that elevator. On the first floor was a ballroom and a music room with a Steinway piano that F.O. had gotten Flora as a gift. She often serenaded the guests. And for the men, there was a smoking room and a billiard room. That was F.O.'s domain. He was really gifted at billiards. He loved billiards. He was super competitive. It, the little rumor was, let him win. <laughs> if you want to be invited back, let him win. And of course, outside, there was a large wraparound veranda. So guests could take in the views and breathe that healing Colorado mountain air. 
the views are like seven layers of the Rocky Mountains that you sit there and you just want to stay there for the rest of your life. But soon after opening, the hotel ran into some trouble. On the evening of June 25th, 1911, there was a storm in the valley and the hotel lost power. A maid named Elizabeth Wilson was going room to room, lighting the backup gas lamps. Mrs. Wilson uh, went into room 217, and when she lit the match to it, it literally blew off the ceiling and the walls and blew her through the floor. The fire destroyed the entire west wing of the hotel, and Miss Wilson broke both her ankles. Happily, amazingly, she made a full recovery. F.O. paid all of her medical bills and kept her job open for her until she returned. But as the years went on, Flora and F.O. got older and frailer. Flora, in particular, was slowly going blind, which made it much more difficult for her to navigate her beloved hotel. They had to arrange the furniture where she could get around without falling. If a maid moved a chair out of place and she tripped, they heard about it. They would sit on the veranda and see guests approaching to come up the stairs. F.O. would turn to her and tell her who it was coming and give her a little snippet of what the person was wearing. So he might say, Mrs. Harris is coming up the stairs. Uh, She's got on a really gorgeous seven-strand pearl necklace. And they would rise to greet them, and Flora would hold out her hand and say, it's so lovely to see you. I love your necklace. Flora died in 1939, and F.O. followed just one year later. And the housekeeper, Miss Wilson, she died peacefully in her sleep in the 1950s. By the 1950s, the old guard, Flora, F.O., many of their original staff, they were all long gone. And the hotel began to decline. Time had changed. Motels were now more popular. People were now able to travel. They were in cars now. They didn't need to come stay for an entire summer. In fact, at one time, the Stanley did turn the carriage house, which used to, you know, house the Stanley steamers and horse and buggy and all that, It turned it into a motel, and it didn't fly. Curiously, at the same time, the hotel began to acquire something of a reputation for having these guests that never seemed to leave. You know, ghosts. There was room 217, the site of that gas explosion that had injured Elizabeth Wilson. People have actually, that stay in that room, have said they've seen a black hole, like, open up in the floor. She's been known to turn the lights on and off in the bathroom there, turn the water on and off. Uh, If you've messed up the bed, she straightens it up. People have sat on the bed, got up, turned around, and where they were sitting, she's already smoothed it back out. F.O. is around, too, particularly in the billiard room he frequented. People hear billiard balls dropping into the pockets, even though there's no pool tables in there anymore. He is seen to walk through the lobby a lot. He has been seen by the registration desk a lot and coming in and out of the door of the office, which is behind the registration desk. 
And downstairs, Flora is still keeping an eye on things. She makes herself known if housekeeping's not up to par, if something's wrong. But mainly, people hear her playing the Steinway piano in the music room, which is the original that F.O. gave her as a gift when the hotel opened. Even old Lord Dunraven, the guy who sold the land to F.O. Stanley, he still kicks around. Lord Dunraven is said to haunt the fourth floor. And I have ex- I have personally experienced him. He was known to, to smoke a cherry blend tobacco pipe. And one night, that um, was off season, we were walking down the fourth floor. There's about eight of us. There was nobody there. And all of a sudden, while we're talking, it was like somebody took this big draw on a pipe and just blew it in our face. It was so strong, I gagged. A lot of people stopped talking and coughed. I have long hair, and I actually picked up my hair to smell it to see if I could smell it in my hair, which I couldn't. And then it was just, it just cut off. You can imagine this in a lot of ways. You might think of sort of a feedback loop. As the hotel got more run down and creepy looking, there were more stories about supposed hauntings happening there. And the more ghost stories that circulated, maybe the more people shied away from staying at the hotel, the more run down it got. By the time the 1970s rolled around, the Stanley was in serious trouble. And that is when Stephen King enters the picture. He even stayed in room 217, the site of the gas explosion. The Stanley inspired the haunted Overlook Hotel in King's book, The Shining. There is a possessed fire hose chasing children down the halls. An old elevator that was flooded with blood. Creepy ghost children around every corner. And a kid chasing people with a knife, shouting, Red rum! Red rum! It's murder backwards, in case you... In case you missed that the first time. Well, that didn't help things. (laughs) In the 70s, the hotel slid even further into decline. There was a sort of timeshare scheme to try and bring business back in, but it failed. Finally, in the 1990s, the hotel went kaput. It filed for bankruptcy. But then came 1995, and just like its namesake, F.O. Stanley the Stanley Hotel got this second lease on life. It was bought by a new company that poured millions of dollars into bringing the place back to its former glory. For one thing, you'll be happy to hear that the hotel now has heat all year round. Period details were renovated and restored, and some new ones were added. They've recreated some of the famous sets from The Shining, like the particularly creepy scene in a green bathroom. If you've seen it, you know it. Instead of shying away from the whole haunted horror thing, the hotel has just embraced it in a bear hug. In the gift shop, there's um, a lot of things you can get that say red rum. You can get the room 217 room key. You can buy that. You can also request to stay in room 217 uh, to try and feel Miss Wilson's presence, or for that matter, Stephen King's. But even if you don't want to stay in room 217 yourself, the Stanley Hotel offers regular tours introducing visitors to all the ghosts known to haunt the halls. There is all the scary, shining stuff, of course, of course. But there is also Flora and F.O. and Miss Wilson. 
Whether you believe in ghosts or not, there is something sort of sweet about this cast of ghosts who just kind of want to hang out in this hotel that they spent all of this time in. Who just want to, you know, go around, make sure everything's going okay, play a game of billiards. It's interesting to me that people perceive all spirits to be scary or out for nefarious reasons, and I don't believe that at all. So there is a lot of wonderful energy at the Stanley. It is a love story. It was a love story to his wife. You feel that, but yes, there is a lot of spooky stuff going on there as well. I think it's a perfect blend. For more information about the Stanley Hotel and its ghost tours online, we'll post a link in the episode description. They also have a yearly Shining-themed costume ball, uh, which I gotta attend. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Amanda McGowan. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time.